0: The world has changed so much for all of us in the last two years with pandemic coming. Many women are opting out of the workforce to change their careers. And business ownership and self-employment has become even more attractive because of the opportunities, working remotely, having an internet connection, and all the flexibility that it provides for us. However, at the end of the day, each of us defines success differently. Whether it's having flexibility for the time to be with your family, working different hours of the day, working remotely, or making more money, or making less money and having less stress in your life. So the question is, what does it actually take to be a successful mompreneur? My guest today is Ciara Stackland, who was born to be an entrepreneur, selling rocks to the neighbors at five years old and moving up from there. Ciara has gone to do it all, opening two retail stores within two years, merging them together into a franchise, creating a marketing wholesale box subscription for boutique retailers. Most recently, Ciara has launched the Boutique Workshop, a coaching program for retailers. Ciara is is coaching retail owners for the perspective of someone who's done it successfully, not only in business, but also raising a family. Get actionable tips and learn from the best experts on how to stop trading time for money. It is now the time you started living your best financial life. My name is Anna Shergunina, and welcome to the Money Boss Podcast. Hey, Money Bosses, are you ready to get your financial life in order once and for all as soon as possible? Are you tired of living paycheck to paycheck? Do you often lose track of how much money you have to spend? Do you want to get your financial life together but just don't quite know how? I am with you, I've been there, I've struggled through all of these. And I know you owe it to yourself. You owe it to yourself to get better. So why do you continue to struggle? I know you can get your own money in order. It took me years to figure out. It took me years of pain, struggle, frustration, anger. But you don't have to go through all of that. You don't even have to get a financial planning degree like I did in order to be successful. Allow me to present to you my Money Flow System, a free playbook of how you can automate your finances even if you hate budgeting. After you download this free playbook, You will never have to worry about budgeting, and who likes that budgeting thing anyway? You will stop accumulating debt and create a bulletproof plan of how to quickly pay it off. You will be able to pinpoint exactly what your income and expenses are. You will never have to miss a single bill again. And you will always, always have a solid idea of how much money is in each of your accounts. So, head over to money-flowsystem.com to download my free Money Flow Playbook, a blueprint to streamline your finances in less than five, five weeks. Guaranteed. Head over to money-flowsystem.com. Hey, Money Bosses, Anna's here, and welcome back to the Money Boss. Podcast. I'm excited for our conversation today. My guest is Ciara Stockland, and we're talking about what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur.
1: Ciara, welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having me.
0: So excited. So, this topic of entrepreneurship and particularly mom entrepreneurship, I think has exploded quite a bit over the last few years with pandemic showing up. And so I'm excited to connect with you. Um, because we need to talk about this topic and more women need, need to be open-minded and man, right? Mm-hmm. What it really takes to be successful. And it's a, such a um, big and sort of broad uh, statement. And so I know everybody may approach successful different success differently. But I wanted to kind of start with maybe just sort of highlighting for all of you listeners out there that um, I had to look up these statistics. It was just like, I'm like, well, all right, so women entrepreneurs, like, what does that really look like today in our world? And so I found a couple interesting data points. I want to share them with you and then we can get into it. So in as of 2019, there were 259 million women entrepreneurs in the world so if our population is like 7.6 billion that is only 6.2 percent of the entire population but check this out in 2021 31 percent of small business owners or franchisees in us were female entrepreneurs so that is exciting to me. So Sarah, let's get into this conversation. I'd love for, for our listeners to get to know you a little bit because you are definitely an entrepreneur at heart. You started really early in your career.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so it that's very like? early. <laughs> yeah, so I was a third generation entrepreneur. My grandpa and my dad both owned small business. So it was very natural for me to think small business ownership was normal. Like I never thought I, I probably thought everybody in some respect had something of their own, which of course, as a child, you know, everything is skewed by what you're surrounded with, but it was very normal. Um, every Thanksgiving meal, every Easter lunch, every Christmas tree opening we were talking about or listening to something with their businesses. So I just grew up in that environment and my parents were very enabling when it came to um pushing me and encouraging me to do whatever I wanted to do to figure out how to solve problems and to just make my own path. So it first started my most, um, formal business first started when I was around 13, I was a homeschool student. And, um, I was honestly complaining a bit to my mom. Um, we were driving some friends home from, I think an evening together, a sleepover. And I said, oh, you know, I want to be in theater and I'd love to be in a play and I'm homeschooled and there's no opportunity and I won't do my whiny voice, but it was, it was spoken in a whiny voice. Um, and my mom was like, if you want to do something, why don't you just do it? And I thought, okay. So I rented Anne of Green Gables, love this video. So I rented the VHS at the library and I popped it into the VHS player. I'd hit pause, write down what they said, hit play, rewind. And I wrote the little script out from what was actually spoken on the movie. And then roped my friends into coming over and just putting on this little play, probably 20 minutes or so. Um, and it was really fun. We invited the neighbors. We did it in their backyard, in our backyard. Um, And then I performed it for the local homeschool group, and parents started coming in asking, you know, hey, Sierra, is there any chance my kid could be in your acting company? And I was like, oh, I didn't know I had an acting company, but sure. And so I started to just have this group of kids that would show up to my house and we would put on these plays and we started purchasing scripts then and making things more formal. Um, And eventually I turned that into a business. So I would teach homeschool, public school, private school, kids theater after school, Um, ended up renting renting a studio, renting out the local theater. And by the end of that um, decade or so, I had a full on studio and we did full length, amazing classic productions. Um, So that was my first kind of exploration of small business. And I would say that I just, you know, kind of fell into it, right? There was an opportunity there. And so I filled the gap and figured out how to solve that problem. And that's what I've been doing ever since um, with my multiple ventures. Some of them work really well. Some of them don't work well. um, Lots of wins, lots of losses, um, but just finding problems and solving them and, um, and doing that as a wife now and a mom. Yeah, I think I love
0: I love your story and how it's sort of I think I think you probably see even with with the clients that you work with in your coaching right business and particularly in the retail space. But I think a lot of people and probably the the power of internet right and 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 for us an the option to work remotely now has been even more um, uh, you know surfaced because of yeah. the pandemic. We all are sort of looking at at the world with this lens of like, okay, what is the problem? We're experiencing how can we solve that so it's given yes. everyone so much more opportunity um, you know to do things that you may enjoy doing now one of the things that i find interesting and um my you know my path to becoming a business owner and you know entrepreneur i never thought of myself as an entrepreneur i i, I mean i really had a very traditional path even though now you were describing sort of like i'm a third generation entrepreneur. I think I was thinking like, yeah, my parents, and I come from a former Soviet Union country. So like a whole immigration process. And I was a kid, but mm-hmm. like my parents, um, even you know, back in the former Soviet Union, they had their own businesses and they had to work for themselves. Sure. Right? Yeah. And so I like I think I have sort of come from that area too. But the path that I was put on is like, okay, you got to finish school, you got to get good de- grades, so you can get to college, you got to get a degree, which I did, right. And so then I got a career, um, right doing, you know, becoming a financial planner, so all of these things. And then all of a sudden, I found myself in, in you know, in the space where I'm like, wow, I'm a business owner, like, and it did not click in my head for a long time that a you know, business owner, and maybe it's, still not true it does not necessarily equates to being an entrepreneur or entrepreneur does not always equate to being a business owner or even self-employed so like this term business uh, entrepreneur is thrown out a lot but yes. i think a lot of people also misunderstand what it really means to be an entrepreneur just because you work for yourself when you set your own schedule doesn't mean that that's who you are so talk a little bit about what does it really truly mean to you um, since you sort of, you know, have the cleaner path on, on this journey that you know most of us are, you know, if you're like me, kind of accidentally found yourself in the space.
1: Yeah. So I think you know, for for me, I guess entrepreneurship has always looked like the counterpart to someone who invents, to an inventor. So I am not an inventor. I cannot come up with a product. That solves a problem, but I can come up with a service or a solution to a problem. And so you have the inventors who, you know, light bulbs and amazing machines and little gadgets and widgets who see that. And they're able to put together like a concrete thing that can solve something. And an entrepreneur does that with a concept. So, um, my son actually is 18 now and he loves writing And um, he was telling me like everywhere he goes, you know, he just, he's always thinking of stories he could write. And I'm like, how do you keep thinking of that? And he said, mom, it's like how everywhere you go, you see opportunities to solve problems. That's how my mind thinks about stories. And I was like, oh my goodness, it's so true. Literally, literally Anna, everywhere I go every day, I'll see something and be like, you know what? I feel like they could do that better, or I could instruct them on that. Or what if we did this? It's just how my mind works. So I think a true entrepreneur is a problem solver, forward thinker, positive person that just sees solutions and then is able to take them and put them into action.
0: Yeah. I I, I like that definition. And I, and I, and I had to grow on it, right. Or grow myself into it or thinking, um, you know, about myself as entrepreneur. And so here's sort of an interesting, I think, angle of this, uh, and particularly, and this is sort of started to highlight more for me, is, is becoming a mom, right? Your kids yes. are all much much older than my son, Liam, who's about to turn three. But even like this last three years been quite transformational with everything um, and, and learning about, you know, what it really takes in terms of time, energy, interest, goals, like all of this stuff is sort of like reshuffling for me. So and, and also even seeing like what my clients are doing if mm-hmm. we're in the same sort of space, right? Whether you have younger kids or older kids or somewhere on the spectrum. So how, because um, we're talking about this topic of successful mompreneur, like what does that look like? So what are your what are your thoughts or ideas around, okay, what does that look like for, for women, right? Or if, if there's a woman who thinks that she wants to go into the space, like what are the first steps or, you know, um, actions that she can take.
1: Yeah. Well, I think there's two things I heard from two separate mentors and both of them have resonated so strongly with me. And we've wrapped that into the way that my husband and I parent our children and then how I'm a mon- mompreneur, if you will. The first was not to have or build child center parenting in your home. So this was our philosophy that our life did not and would not revolve around our children, that they were welcome members. Of our family. And when I heard this from a mentor, I was pregnant with uh, my second baby. I was like, that is so interesting. Because I think the majority of what we hear is once those children come, everything is what they want, what they choose, what, they, you know, and that's not bad. It's just a different philosophy. And so um, as a mom entrepreneur, as soon as those children came into our home, I just looked at them as welcome members. Like you have a crazy mom that's always going to be doing something and inventing something, you know, when it comes to business and trying something new and you're just a welcome part of that. And so instead of me dropping everything that I love and wanted to pursue, I just welcomed my children along with me in the journey. So that was really interesting. And then the other thing that resonated and really helped form the way that I have built um, our family unit around my entrepreneurship was a mentor told me that your kids, very simple, your kids will be fine. And when you work and you enjoy working, that's okay. Cause I think we get this mixed message, right? As women, you can balance, you can have it all, but then, you know, you need to be able to separate it. And if your kids are the center of your life, that's where we get like the mom guilt going back and forth. But when we think, okay, my kids will be fine. This is just the family that they're part of. So my kids know that Um, you know, I do zoom calls or I'm present with my clients at this time. And then when I'm with them, this is about our family time. And I don't have to feel guilty about moving back and forth between those things because my kids are just a welcome part of who we are. And then when they leave, they get to make their own family and welcome whoever they want into their family life. So those two things have really helped me, um, just move into a a very balanced feeling family atmosphere.
0: I love that because this is this is a big part of what I've struggled, especially at the beginning. Although I had the same sort of mindset, I didn't know how to verbalize it. I was like, okay, um, you know, I've had Liam when I was older, I had this career, I have a business, like, so this is sort of, you know, an addition to the life that we had. And then all of a sudden, like when you don't get much sleep and <laughs> the hormones and all this stuff is happening, you're like oh my God, this is not what I envisioned right now. It's sort of like the kind of like flipping, you know, the coin, like I was a business owner and I was sort of, you know, and the professional and right, a financial planner, all of these things. And then like, it's the other side of the coin. Now I'm a mom and this is sort of, that's the center of my universe now. So I am, I think I'm better, um, um, you know, a little bit better in terms of sort of fitting into both roles, right. Or, you know, there's more than one role, but I really like that. Um, because there's definitely a lot of guilty feelings because yeah. I sent son to daycare when he was six months old and I'm like, well, that's what mom, you know, working moms do, whether, you know, you have a business or, or not. I was like, wow, did I go to work too early? Like, so, you know, a lot of that second stuff, guess, Yeah. <laughs> Cause you talk about balancing and it's such a, it's a, such a tricky word in terms of, you know, how do you balance that? Um, and it's different for everybody, right? Because yeah, the, the reasons I think, um, and at least, you know, I speak for myself, but the reasons why women in particular choose to either work for themselves or, you know, start a business or do some you know things on the side, um, are very different for most. It's probably because we want to have more time and flexibility, right. For, for others just to make more money or whatever. Uh, but the end of the, at the end of the day, um, I think we're all on the same sort of page of why we're doing that.
1: Yeah, and I think what you said a few minutes ago is key that it's different for everyone. And when we become unbalanced, it's when we're trying to fit in to what we think the expectation should be. My kids went to so many bank meetings. They sat in the back of my store with their cute, cute little, I bought them like this cute little water cooler, like a mini water cooler. So they had their own water cooler in their own little drawers. And some of my associates would bring them little gifts and things. There was nothing that was unhealthy for them in that to have structure, to know that the world didn't revolve around them, that mom's going to work and you're well taken care of with your fruit snacks and your water cooler and your little movie, you know, um, that wouldn't work for everyone nor should it. And so it's when we say, okay, like you said, I took my kid, you know, back to daycare. Is that too early? Not if it's not too early for you, you know, if that's what works for you and your family, then it's fine. And so I think just releasing ourselves of the expectation of it has to look cookie cutter because it doesn't have to look cookie cutter. It can look very individual to what works with your personality and what your business expects of you and what you enjoy doing. And that's just fine as well.
0: Yeah. It's such a, it's such a freeing statement. It doesn't have to look like a cookie cutter because I mean, it's hard, right? We try to compare, especially new moms. I think you try to, compare yeah. yourself to others, you know, or you look up for examples and say, oh my gosh, this this person has such a perfect life and everything is great about them. And, and yeah you know, they have all the things that they want and they, they look great. They, you know, they're not stressed out. You're like, oh, I'm a complete mess on this, on this side.
1: <laughs> but then who defines the mess, right? Know, right? That's what we just let everybody else define that. If you truly feel like, yes, I feel unorganized. I don't feel calm. Then maybe you're a mess in some areas and you should fix those things. But if it's simply because my friend Susie would never have a kitchen that looked like this or she would never have the schedule. That's not the right reason to put that on us. Um, and so, yeah, I think just giving ourselves freedom to live and to shape our life in a way that makes sense for us is really important.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned that your kids um, always came along for, you know, for everything. you always included them. So how what did it look like? I know it's like from the early age and then sort of being in that environment, Um, But what else, what else did you guys do in your household? I'm sure your, your husband was involved in the process too.
1: Yeah. So he had a more traditional, I wouldn't say nine to five job because he's always had a, you know, more of a leadership position where you do what you need to do, but more of a typical office type job. He's very entrepreneurial in the way he thinks as well. Although um, I think for us, it was, we just talked about what was going on. I mean, we had some really low lows in my business, some very hard things. We did not hide that from the kids. Now, we didn't burden them with things that they weren't equipped to bear. So it wasn't going to be like, oh my goodness, you know, you're my peer and I'm going to spill this out and stress you out, sheltering our kids from unnecessary stress. But on the other hand, like we never pretended everything was great and fine in this fake life. Because I think even though neither of them will probably go into entrepreneurship, they could learn so much by observing from us, like how we handled failure, how we handled problems, how we, um, really celebrated wins. So our kids have just, they just know, you know, they know the stories. Um, they know the wins, the losses, all of those pieces. And then at different points, especially as they've grown and have been able to handle more conversations, it's just been really fun to to have those conversations with them and explain like, yeah, you know how I did this. I didn't really handle that very well. And so this is how I would do it differently, um, mm-hmm. connecting people. So I'm very much a connector. And so bringing that into their life and my son is looking now for his career path and full-time job. And I'm like, who can I connect you with? What are you interested in? I'll connect you. And sometimes he's like, Oh my goodness, mom, you know, but then I'm really thankful for that connection. Cause that's actually pretty great. And it, you know, put me ahead four or five spots in line. So just teaching your kids those entrepreneurial practices that make small business ownership successful because those can really relate to whatever career you have in life as well.
0: Yeah, I think I, I think you have a really, really great point here about, because like just thinking about, and this is one of the questions um, I get to discuss with my clients more on the financial planning side. Okay, you know, we have, especially with younger families or any families, like, okay, we want our kids to go to college and we want to, our kids to get really good education. So we talk about, all right, how will we save for it? what it costs, you know, where to save the, all the, the financial um, uh, questions, but, you know, and I start and I think about this a lot too, in, you know, in terms of what they're asking and, and like, what would that path look like? Right. If, if it's, cause I was like, well, I don't, I don't think I necessarily want my son to go through sort of through the traditional path. Like, yes, college is great and everything that you learn there is great, but there's gotta be other ways for them to, to learn information. And what you just said about, being the connector in connecting with people and creating relationships, it probably mm-hmm. a thousand percent more valuable yes. skill than I'm like the, the physics class. I know some people will hate me for this because you could go into a profession, right. Being a physicist or, you know, like you, I get that, but if you're looking in the space of entrepreneurship, it's a different path. It's not, um, And it should be right. And I know there's education that's centered around that. And there's talks about even with the pandemic, like you had to homeschool your kids. Why would you ever, you know, some parents are talking about, why would we ever send them back to school? Yes. Um, Because it's sort of like, you learn on the
1: job, right? Or you learn
0: from real life examples.
1: Yeah. And I always say like in a business class, And I've done, you know, little, um, appearances and, you know, at business classes, and I love to visit with those kids, but I'm like, you can balance anything you want on a piece of paper in this business class. You can always start your account with $40,000 in the business class. When you get out and you have a business, it doesn't work that way. So you have to learn to be a problem solver. And there's no way to learn that other than solving problems. I think that's something else. Um, I don't know if we did the best job, but we tried with our kids of helping them solve problems. So instead of just doing things for them, like, how would you do this? Cause not many things that our kids can do will really, they'll really fail, right. Or put themselves in a bad position. Like I think as parents, we do way too much problem solving for our children and then they get out and about and they have no idea how to take initiative or fix something because we've done all the little tiny problem solving for the last 18 years um, in areas that wouldn't have hurt them if they made a mistake. Right. And so giving our kids the freedom to just, just try it. If it doesn't work, you can always not do it again, you know? Um, and so that's something else that I think entrepreneurship has really shown me is the practicality. Like you said, you just have to get out there and do things to learn the best way, especially in small business.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's so true. And do you, do you have an idea about what age? You think it becomes, uh, you know, a lot more education. I mean, just thinking about my three-year-old son, Liam. Yeah. Of course I can teach him. Love. I mean, I can start to, you know, kind of incorporate, how would you do these things? And at that age, just like, he wants to be involved in everything. Like, like this is the yeah. the
1: toddler. Yeah. Know? So like an example, I mean, I think when they're small, you can start, this is something that a fellow mom told me very recently. And I'm like, oh man, I wish I would have done this 15 years ago. I would have used it all the time. But she'll say to her kids, um, even her younger children, if something goes wrong, she'll say, Okay, well, that's a bummer. Now, what are we going to do about it instead of fixing it for them? And I think we can do that with little kids like, oh, your toy broke, and I told you not to pull it off the shelf, but it broke. That's a bummer. So, what are we going to do about that instead of ignoring it because we don't like conflict or fixing it for them or buying a new one and trying to replace it while they're sleeping, like teaching them consequences? And, like, what am I going to do about that now? yeah. So I think just, you know, as they're young, you can start those things. But I'm like, I can't remember how old my son was. This was fairly recently, maybe 16. And he had his first job as a lifeguard. We lived probably 10 minutes away from the pool. He forgets everything. He's like me. So I always tell him I forget everything too. So I have to put tools in place to help me. Otherwise I frustrate a lot of people. Um, but he went to his lifeguarding session and he did, forgot his lunch at home. And so he called mom. I didn't bring anything. And I, oh, that's a bummer. I said, so your option is there is a cafe there. Well, I don't want to spend my money. I was like, well, I don't want to spend my time. So you had the option to pack your lunch the night before. And yes, I could run it to him, but I knew if I ran it to him, I would be doing it over and over and over. I also knew he wouldn't starve during his six hour shift. There's no possibility that he would starve. And if he was starving, he could purchase food with his own money. And I knew that he would not for, he would remember the hunger feeling and he would never forget his lunch again. And he never forgot his lunch again because I didn't run to the rescue. Um, and so I think just super simple, practical things like that can help our children learn to problem solve on their own.
0: Yeah. I love that idea. That, that, that's a bummer is my new favorite. phrase. <laughs> that's a bummer. Yeah. That's really too bad. I'm going to make a sticker and <laughs> put it on a fridge for a Yep. They're so like, that's a bummer? Let's figure it out. What you are gonna do yes. about that? Yeah. I mean it's really true. Like I one is, I, I was kind of thinking about this. Um one of my favorite quotes, um, it's not quite, you know, around what you know what you just shared, but I think it's, it's still in the same area of about trying and trying and trying and you know, learning sort of this process, okay, failure is not or not sort of the mistake you've made if it didn't work isn't something that should stop. So one of my favorite quotes um, that I constantly remind myself my hasn't even bought this poster. So it's uh, by Winston Churchill. Never, oh, never, never, so never good. give up. And so yeah. I sort of been running by that motor. And it's, you know, even before I had my own business, it was just something like I, you know, I think maybe that what my parents instilled in me, because I keep thinking about, like, I know that it was not a traditional path for me to be where I'm at. But I know my parents and, you know, the associations and environment I was in, it was it was that. And I, you know, all I can like thank them for, right, is like, I know that that's the lesson you taught me is to never give yes. up, regardless what it is. Yes. <laughs> which, you know, which does, you know, continues to help me, you know, in everything, not just business, but, you know, personal life and, you know, any challenges that you experience.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: So um, if we kind of take the steps from here and sort of, you know, we're incorporating our kids in, in, in our life and what we're, you know, living here and how things are, what if there was someone who isn't, an inter- you know, on the entrepreneurial path, a mom particularly, and she's interested Maybe in, she's in a corporate career and sort of like taking these next steps because life does look different, right? And, mm-hmm. and maybe even there's a misconception about what a life of a mom entrepreneur looks like just because you're. You don't have a nine to five schedule, right? You can you know take off in the middle of the day. There's a lot of other pressures, right, and responsibilities co- that come with being an entrepreneur or business owner. So, talk a little bit about that because I want I, I want people have a really clear idea if they're thinking about it, um, and you know maybe even starting a side hustle. Like it, it may not be what you really are envisioning. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I think one of the biggest things as entrepreneurs is we have to learn to manage our time well. So when you work in a job and you work for someone else, you have authority over you that ensures you get your job done or there's consequences that holds you accountable, that keeps you in line. We have a lot of checks and balances when we work for somebody. We don't have that if we work for ourselves. And so we have to get good at putting those checks and balances in place for ourselves. Um, And this is where I think a lot of of times, you know, when I visit with coaching clients, they're like, Oh my goodness, I'm so overwhelmed. I just work all the time. And you know, I work with women. So I'm with my kids and I want to be at work. I'm at work and I want to be with my kids. I tuck my kids in and then I want to go wake them up because I feel so bad. Cause I didn't, you know, all of this swirls around and so, learning to manage your time will will really help give you permission to say yes and no at the right times. So, an exercise that I do with all of my clients, um, if they're feeling really overwhelmed or out of control with time, is I'll say, okay, what I want you to do is to time journal for an entire week. So, just like you would journal your food if you were going to go on a weight loss program or a health program, we need to journal your time. We really need to see what's happening before we can fix it, um, because it's it might not be actually what you're thinking. So, I'll just say, like, get a notebook out and have it with you everywhere you go for one full week. And I want you to clock in and clock out of every activity. And you're going to see how obnoxious it is. (laughs) You'll be like, oh my goodness, clock in at 1201, do this, then clock out at 1202. But I want you to write those times down to really see how often you're bouncing around. And then once you've seen that entire week, then I want you to go through that with some different colored markers and just circle similar um, activities. So as an entrepreneur, oh my goodness, I'm doing marketing. And then I go over here and I do buying, and then I jump over here and I sell, and then I jump back to marketing. So you're circling these buckets of activities. And then I want you to take those color buckets and I want you to start putting them in a more condensed Um, Fashion into your day. So I'm going to do all my marketing activities from noon to two, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And if it's not noon to two, just like if I was not working at Starbucks, I wouldn't be just hanging out there working. (laughs) I'm going to punch out. So when it's two o'clock, I'm going to punch out of that activity. I'm going to be done. And then whatever I didn't accomplish is going to go into the bucket for marketing the following day or whenever that comes. And I'm going to give my pers- pers- myself permission to back away. And when we can do this and we have buckets for our family time and our friendship time as well, it's like, you know what? Sunday is family bucket day. And I don't have to feel guilty about not working because right now this time is designated for family time. And that's all I have to be conscious of. So I think that's probably the number one thing. Um, number two, or, you know, right up there as number one is finances, which I know you care about. So, um, and they're so important for our clients. You have to know your numbers. If you can manage your time and you know, the numbers of your business, you will be fine. <laughs> so, and you really need both pieces. Um, but knowing your numbers doesn't mean you have to be an accountant or super smart like you are. And like we don't have to become you. We just need to understand what makes our business tick, and what the story our business is telling us looks like. And we can't we can't know that by just gut and feel. We have to be able to say here's what the numbers are telling me. And that's, what's going to give me the permission then to say yes to this project or no to this opportunity. So those two pieces I think are really, really important.
0: I am so, I'm so glad you touched on that topic for sure. Yes. Finances, personal finances are uh, quite important, but when you have, you know, personal finances and you also have a business finances, which, which really are a lot of times so much commingled, you really have to stay on the top of it. And I was thinking about something as you were describing. I love the, I don't know if, if it's the right phrase, but the time blocking, that's mm-hmm. like what you're describing to me um, or to all us. is like, that's kind of what I sort of have that on my calendar, but I, I, I picked up something already. It's, I don't quite have it um, all sort of on, you know, blocks. I have it like a little bit of time here, a little bit time there, and it's like all over. So I need yep. to sort of move it on. I kind of have a calendar that I code, um, you know, with colors, just so I know it's client stuff marketing this podcast recording my my podcast recording is green on my calendar so when I look coming up but it's a little spread out sort of all over so I love that idea um for in terms of the numbers and here's I think what I sort of want to it's an observation and I think everyone needs to think about a reason if you haven't started your business already, or if you already are in the business and maybe this business or this path of you being an entrepreneur, working for yourself was maybe simply came out of because you were passionate for something. Right. So it's like, that's great. And it's probably you hear this, you know, a lot of coaches and, you know, people in, in the space of personal development and business Um, you know, education talk about like, okay, you've got to have a passion for something in order to be able to go longer at it. And if you're passionate about a problem that you're solving, as you were talking about, then you're probably going to be more the most successful. But when we talk, when we come to look at the numbers, right, or Mm -hmm. the business have a profit, like, why are we working so hard, right? Or why are you doing it? Passion is great. It's probably going to get you, you know, far in this journey. But at the end of the day, you have goals. And this is what I get to do with clients and, you know, ask them questions about what are you trying to accomplish? Right. right. So in, in in this realm is, is your passion or the thing you're doing really giving you the fruits, right? Or the the profit of your heart? Work, yeah. So, I know you're you mentioned to me, you know, in our green room that you're a big advocate of Profit First book. I forget yes. the author, uh, Mike Mike McCallowitz. Yeah, you go, Mike, yes, um, McCallowitz And so, let's talk a little bit about that, like, just so people so everyone listening can sort of think about all right, I am it's great, um, to be a business owner, entrepreneur for other reasons, but I still think, and I shouldn't say but, but at the end of the day, we need to look at the numbers, like, otherwise. Yes. What's the measuring stick for the success,
1: right? Yeah, Yeah. So profit first, what's great about it is it's a cash management system. It's not an accounting system. So it just helps us as entrepreneurs take our ideas about our cash and put ourselves as the owner first before anything else. We take that profit first. So if you look at a traditional accounting, you have your sales minus expenses equals your profit. And we just flip that around in profit first as a concept and say sales minus our profit leaves money for expenses. So before you spend money, you take your profit first, both in savings for tax owners pay, and then a profit or a savings account as well. So that's kind of the nuts and bolts of it. Um, Why it works really well is because it just disciplines you to look at the right things. So in Instead of continuing to overspend, like, oh my goodness, I need to increase marketing and this is a great opportunity and I have to hire, like I'm so tapped out, I've got to hire. Instead, we say, well, I'm going to take my profit first. I'm going to pay myself as an owner. If I have money left, then I will go and hire another person or I'll pay for more marketing. And as entrepreneurs, we tend to be very, um, very good at solving problems, right? And so if we put a problem before ourselves that like, I only have X amount to spend, We're going to figure out how to only spend that amount of money. And so if we pull that profit out first, now we suddenly get very, um, very good at not just spending whatever's in our checking account. Um, And so the profit first model works really well. I teach it specifically to retail because we do have that pesky little inventory piece in there. So what do we do? When does the inventory come out? How do we continue to have that inventory come in? So that's where I really specialize is helping those that want to take profit first and, you know, do have inventory of some sort um, to use that system as well.
0: Yeah. I love it. I've heard, I've heard a few times about this book and this concept. So I'm, it's up on my to-do list um, in terms of exploring it. Um, Cause in, and what, you know, one of the questions I have right now is like, okay, how do you, maybe listeners too, how do you define profit? Like when you look at your business um, so like revenue minus expenses, whatever is left over your profit, right? Like right. simplifying, but if you're working it backwards, so if I don't know, let's say your profit is 10%. So do you, when you reverse the model, you say revenue minus 10% and then the rest is for the expenses or like- No, so, not, yeah, expensive. so the financial
1: would still be the same. So your accounting, your bookkeeping, that's going to report to you the same and you're going to have that net profit on the bottom. Mm-hmm. It's dividing the profit or just taking money before you spend it unnecessarily. So you would have your savings And then they have you minus your materials and subcontractors, if you're a service-based business or your inventory, the balance, which is that gross margin, that's what you're going to pull your specific um, allocation from. So we have our sales minus our inventory, that cost of goods sold or that margin. That's the money I get to work with. All that money is available to me in my business. Before I just go spend it on marketing and payroll and rent, I'm going to take a portion of that for myself, a portion of that, and save it. And then the balance is what I'm going to spend on expenses. So it just manages your cash
0: Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I, would you would you say that even for those who are growing or interested in hiring, right, Expending the team, this is always sort of the question for us. I mean, for for my business too, because um, we're a service based business, right? So like, okay, if we need to. Uh, be able to hire another advisor, right. Or another support staff. Okay. We need to get like, this is the math, simple math. I do like, okay, this many more clients will be enough. And then we'll have a profit with <laughs> the margin. So it's like yeah, hire first and then do the work, <laughs> get the profits um, in order to grow. But it's always like, okay, I need to do something in order to grow. Right. Yes.
1: And, and so, yeah. And I think that's the key is like, what you're doing is just evaluating it. Cause we tend to just say, I have so much work. I have so much to do or I can't grow. I need to hire people. We just hire people. And I learned this lesson the hard way. I had a team of like 12 to 14 between part-time and full-time people. And I scaled way back, way, 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 way back and let a lot of people go or laid them off. And we were still doing this. Suddenly I found we were doing the same amount of work and getting it all done with way less people. And I thought, oh my goodness, I have been wasting so much time on just people, because the more people I had, it's this Parkinson's law, right? So if we have a huge plate of spaghetti in front of us, we want to eat the whole plate. So in order to eat less spaghetti or cheesecake, we need a smaller plate because we're only going to eat what's on it. And so the same thing, even with hiring, like just constantly evaluating is my time being run really efficiently. Am I hiring because I'm not being efficient with my time? Could I tighten that up a little bit to allow myself for time enough for one or two new clients on my own? If I can't, that's fine. And then I look at, like you said, how much do I need to bring in to cover this cost? But it's all about evaluating versus just spending or thinking people are the fix or marketing is the fix. Cause that's what a lot of business owners do. Either they just want to spend on marketing cause that'll fix it or hire more people and that'll fix it. And that's often not the case because we have a lot of other things wrong and run inefficiently, which is actually driving the issue.
0: I wish everybody went to an entrepreneurial school before they did this.
1: I know. I think the same thing. I work with boutique owners, retailers, hundreds of them. And I just think, oh, I just wish, you know, and I'm so happy they're with me, but so many have been operating for years and I just like, oh, I wish I could catch you all before you make all the bad mistakes I made, the expensive mistakes I made and help you before you ever started your business. But we do what we can afterwards. And yeah, just try to educate the world on these things. No, that, and that's, I think the, the,
0: the, the awesome part about being an entrepreneur um, is, is taking all these steps, not being afraid um, and just just figuring it out. So yeah. how can our listeners connect with you? I know, I think you mentioned you have a free training on for anyone interested in learning more about Profit First. I think it's a really cool concept. I'm all about profit, yes. Otherwise, why are you working hard? That's the point. I know. <laughs> no, no reason to do that. Um, yes, you need to make you need to make the money because you have goals that you want to accomplish. You have family
1: you want to take care of. Um, so, yeah, how can they connect with you? Yeah, so the best way would be my website, theboutiqueworkshop.com, and you'll find all the information on there for the Profit First Masterclass and everything else I have to offer. Awesome! Thank you so much. We'll include that in the show notes. Any last minute thoughts, Tiara? No, I'm just so proud of all of you that are listening that have stepped out and opened your own small business. I think small business owners are so overlooked, like how much you risk and how much you put on the line for the business that you love. So I'm so proud of you and I'm glad that I could just share with you guys today. Hopefully there's a nugget or two that you can take and implement right away. Oh, totally. Thank you so much. Very excited to have you here. Hey, Money Boss. Thanks
0: for tuning in today. And of course, not having a clear strategy or plan on how to protect your hard-earned money. Until next time, remember, you are the boss of your money.